It's Thursday, November 21st. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. It was the last day of scheduled impeachment hearings, and today we heard from two officials who warned lawmakers not just about the stuff going on behind the scenes, but about what it means bigger picture for the U.S. and Ukraine. Then, last night's Democratic debate covered a lot of ground, but one topic stood out. Paid family leave. We'll explain. And finally, why South Korea's feeling nostalgic for the 90s. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. Today's episode is brought to you by Noom. The most complicated story today is about impeachment. It's the last day, for now, of the House Intelligence Committee's public impeachment hearings. Yesterday, we heard from the ambassador to the European Union, Gordon Sondland. He said that all the major officials were in the loop. They understood that Trump would only meet with Ukraine's president and or release military aid if Ukraine announced investigations into former VP Joe Biden and whether the country meddled in the U.S. 2016 election. Today, we heard from two people who saw what was going on inside that loop. One was a State Department official named David Holmes, who's based at the U.S. Embassy in Kyiv, Ukraine. The other person we heard from today was the president's former top Russia advisor, Fiona Hill. So today we're going to get into what each of these witnesses had to say during the hearing and what their testimony means for the impeachment inquiry. Let's get into it, starting with David Holmes. His name came up last week when the acting U.S. ambassador to Ukraine, Bill Taylor, testified that someone in his office, Holmes, had overheard a key phone call between President Trump and the ambassador to the EU. Gordon Sondland. Again, Sondland is the guy we heard from yesterday. So the day after Trump's infamous phone call with Ukraine's president, Holmes and Sondland had lunch together. Sitting across from Holmes, Sondland called Trump and told him that Ukraine's president, Volodymyr Zelensky, loved him. I then heard President Trump ask, so he's going to do the investigation. Ambassador Sondland replied that he's going to do it, adding that President Zelensky will do anything you ask him to do. After the call, Holmes asked Sondland about a rumor he'd heard about Trump's thoughts on Ukraine. Ambassador Sondland agreed that the president did not give an expletive about Ukraine. I asked why not. Ambassador Sondland stated that the president only cares about big stuff. That big stuff meant stuff that benefited Trump, meaning the Biden investigation. So Holmes and his fellow diplomats had a new task. They had to figure out how to make Trump give an expletive about Ukraine and lift the hold on military aid. Someone else who was concerned about the pressure campaign on Ukraine was the person sitting next to Holmes today. Her name is Fiona Hill. She was on the National Security Council, a.k.a. the NSC. They work at the White House and advise the president on foreign policy and national security. In her capacity, Hill was the president's top advisor on Russia. She wasn't there for the infamous July 25th call between Trump and Zelensky. She left the NSC a week before. But she was involved in key events before that, namely two White House meetings on July 10th when the Ukrainians dropped by for a visit. Sondland was also there, and Hill says he said something that alarmed her boss, former National Security Advisor John Bolton. Ambassador Sondland leaned in uh, basically to say, well, we have an agreement uh, that there will be a meeting. Um, if specific um, investigations uh, are, are put underway. And that's when I saw Ambassador Bolton stiffen. I was sitting behind him in the chair. Bolton abruptly ended the meeting 
and sent Hill to another meeting with Sondland all the way down in the White House's basement, where Sondland repeated to the Ukrainians what was basically a quid pro quo. Hill says Bolton told her to go report what she heard to their in-house lawyer. You tell Eisenberg, Ambassador Bolton told me, that I am not part of uh, this whatever drug deal that Mulvaney and Sondland are cooking up. Mulvaney, as in Mick Mulvaney, acting White House chief of staff. Yeah, he's been acting for almost a year. But he's kind of like Trump's right-hand man. Hill says she took that drug deal to mean the quid pro quo. Bolton and Hill have since left the White House. Bolton hasn't agreed to testify in the inquiry yet. It's unclear if he will, but Hill has kind of been seen as a stand-in for Bolton, who was a BFD in shaping the White House's foreign policy. So what does this all mean for the impeachment inquiry? The testimonies from Holmes and Hill today continue to show that U.S. officials understood that there was some kind of quid pro quo being put to Ukraine. That military aid and or a meeting with Trump would only be granted if Ukraine announced investigations that personally benefited the president. Republicans point out, though, that that deal never actually went through. The U.S. eventually gave Ukraine the aid, sans investigation. But today's witnesses put the inquiry into perspective and reminded lawmakers that there's big stuff going on in Ukraine, and they need help from the U.S., not more pressure. Holmes pointed out that today marks six years since Ukrainians first took to the streets protesting Russia's influence in the country. We talked about this revolution in our episode last Thursday. He said Ukrainians are still fighting Russian aggression and that the U.S.'s public support is important to them. We have no better friends than Ukraine. A scrappy, unbowed, determined, and above all, dignified people who are standing up against Russian authoritarianism and aggression. They deserve better. Hill echoed the sentiment and offered a warning shot. Remember, part of the reason Trump apparently wanted an investigation is because he thinks maybe it was Ukraine that interfered in the 2016 election. Today, Hill responded to that theory. This is a fictional narrative that has been perpetrated and propagated by the Russian security services themselves. Hill also chastised lawmakers, who she says are also pushing that theory. Hill didn't want the committee to forget that in terms of U.S. national security, Russia is still the big problem here, not Ukraine. Ukraine is a valued partner of the United States, and it plays an important role in our national security. And as I told the committee last month, I refuse to be part of an effort to legitimize an alternate narrative that the Ukrainian government is a U.S. adversary and that Ukraine, not Russia, attacked us in 2016. So what's the skim? Today was the last day of public hearings for the House Intelligence Committee, at least for now. There could be more, but they haven't been announced yet. In the meantime, if House Intel says they're done, then they'll hand proceedings over to the House Judiciary Committee, which will likely mean, wait for it, more hearings, and maybe a vote on articles of impeachment. That's all TBD. For a look at what's going on big picture in terms of the impeachment inquiry, check out our guide at theskim.com guides. On top of a full week of impeachment hearings, we also got a 2020 primary debate last night. And one issue really stood out. That's coming up next. We're all busy, and we could all stand to learn healthier habits. Enter Noom. Based in psychology, Noom teaches you why you do the things you do and arms you with the tools to break bad habits and replace them with better ones. You don't have to change it all in one day. Small steps make big progress. Sign up for your free trial today at noom.com forward slash skim this. 
What do you have to lose? Visit Noom.com forward slash skim this to start your trial today. That's Noom.com forward slash skim this. Last night's fifth Democratic presidential debate, hosted by MSNBC and The Washington Post, may have not been the most riveting nail-biter. But one issue really stood out, paid family leave. It's a big deal because A, the topic hasn't come up in previous debates, and B, the situation of paid family leave in the United States compared to other developed countries is a bit grim. Quick primer. When we talk about paid family leave, we're talking about being given time off that is either fully or partially paid for significant family caregiving needs. Think a new baby or if you or a family member becomes seriously ill. You know, stuff you should probably be around for. President Clinton signed the Family Leave and Care Act, or FMLA, in 1993. It allows eligible employees, mothers and fathers, to turn on their out-of-office for up to three months, with no paycheck. For new parents welcoming a new tiny human, taking a paycheck vacation might not be an option. Some companies do offer paid family leave, and a handful of states have passed laws requiring companies statewide to do so. But right now, there is no federal law mandating paid family leave. And that came up last night, when candidates were asked how they would ease the financial burden for new parents. Here's entrepreneur Andrew Yang. There are only two countries in the world that don't have paid family leave for new moms, the United States of America and Papua New Guinea. That is the entire list, and we need to get off this list as soon as possible. Fact check, there are other smaller countries on that list. But it's true that every other industrialized nation besides America already offers some kind of federally mandated paid family leave. Last night, California Senator Kamala Harris proposed six months of paid leave, paid for by employers and their employees through taxes. Many women are having to make a very difficult choice, whether they're going to leave a profession for which they have a passion to care for their family, or whether they are going to give up a paycheck that is part of what that family relies on. Minnesota Senator Amy Klobuchar also supports paid family leave, but kind of made it seem like Harris's six-month plan would be too expensive for the country. But Harris's plan isn't that outlandish compared to other developed countries. In Iceland, new parents split nine months of leave and get 80% of their pay. In Sweden, parents are entitled to share a total of 16 months, also at about 80% of their salary. Across the board, all of the Democratic candidates seem to be down with some form of paid family leave. And so are voters. A Pew poll from a couple of years ago found that 82% of Americans think new moms should get paid time off. And nearly 70% feel the same way about dads. Respondents differ on whether that should be paid for by the government or by the companies themselves. But there may be a plan on the horizon. This year, New York Senator Kirsten Gillibrand, who is no longer a 2020 candidate, proposed the Family Act, which would give workers three months of partially paid time off also paid for by employers and their employees through taxes. The proposal has already picked up steam and has strong support across the Democratic candidates. Right now, lawmakers on both sides of the aisle seem to agree that employees should be given some form of paid time off. The question now is how that would work and who pays for it. It's Skim Money Thursday, and we want to talk about how some recent companies are making moves that could affect your wallet. If you feel like you've been seeing holiday shopping promo deals earlier than usual this year, you're not wrong. Turns out, this is a thing. 
Usually, the holiday shopping spree kickoff begins on Thanksgiving. But with Thanksgiving being so late in the month this year, retailers are losing practically a whole week of shopping time. And so, they're stepping up their game to keep up their sales. For a lot of stores, holiday shopping can account for up to 30% of total annual sales, so they really don't want to miss out. The last time a shopping season was this short was back in 2013, when retailers and delivery services were in chaos trying to get packages to customers in time for the holidays. On-time delivery services can make or break revenue, especially if you're trying to compete with places like Amazon, which is why big retailers like Target and Best Buy now offer same or next day delivery on a bunch of their items. And they've been promoting deals way before Black Friday. So if you're a last minute shopper, this may entice you to start a little bit earlier. For tips to keep you from spending too much money this holiday season, head on over to theskim.com money. Before we go today, we've got a fun fact coming to you from the Wu-Tang Clan. In 1993, the group of rappers from Staten Island dropped an album that changed the game of hip-hop. And more than two decades and a handful of platinum albums later, the group isn't close to being done. Their next project is in the works, a Wu-Tang Clan theme park in South Korea. The group's longtime VP of management, Jimmy Kang, is actively negotiating a deal to plant the park in Seoul. Worth noting, his family emigrated to the U.S. from South Korea when he was a kid. No word yet on what exactly the park will look like, but enterprising isn't new to the Wu-Tang Clan. They've got video games, documentaries, and even this year a series on Hulu came out, all based on the group. Their kids even formed their own hip-hop group called Second Generation Wu. So if this park does become the real deal, we wouldn't be surprised. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks again for listening, and be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to add the Skim to your morning routine, you can sign up for our free newsletter, The Daily Skim, right on our website at theskim.com. It's everything you need to know to start your day right in your inbox.